Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're shining a light on failure. (laughs) And with us on the line and in the hot seat today is Spencer Kimball, the founder and CEO of Cockroach Labs, Labs rather. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. So, Spence, why don't you give our viewers around the world the elevator pitch uh, about your company and, and what you guys are up to? Absolutely. So, uh, well, we build a database. It's a very mission-critical database. Uh, and if you're wondering why we call it Cockroach Labs and the database is called CockroachDB, it's because it's very hard to kill. So, uh, <laughs> if anyone's ever dealt with a cockroach infestation. <laughs> and what's funny is that name actually was a, you know, sort of a joke when the idea of building something like this uh, came about. And it wasn't for several years before it actually started getting built. And by then, the name had kind of taken on a life of its own. And uh, it's kind of like a, a mind virus almost uh, that uh, is very difficult to forget. And it, I think it's been a net positive overall for marketing purposes. But I still find myself in um, you know interesting situations where I'm explaining why we'd call the, the company and the product uh, you know something that actually can create quite a bit of disgust in some people. So, uh, you know, yeah, well, take a step back. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I love the name. It's totally different. Yeah. yeah. Well, it definitely creates a really, uh, you know, two two camps when people hear it. You know, it's either, oh, this is brilliant or this is really quite disgusting. I can't even think about using your product. So. It's basically yeah. like Marmite. I don't know if you know Marmite. It's like either you I love do. it or you hate it. Yeah, that's that's sort of how things work. But I'll say that, you know, the initial disgust actually lets people remember the name. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think that most people are, are well over that initial disgust and they really remember uh, what you stand for and, and, and why you called that, including you know my grandmother, for example. <laughs> so, yeah, I can give you a little bit about it. Maybe it starts with just what our sort of top line thing. In other words, this is an elevator pitch. If I was in the elevator with you know, somebody, for example, that runs a Fortune 500 company and they have that brief moment to actually describe what you do. Uh, the way I describe it is we're the most trusted global database to run mission-critical applications for the world's most important businesses. So that really, you know, puts us uh, you know, up in a, a particular echelon in terms of who our target is and exactly how we see ourselves. It's a sophisticated database born in the cloud. So think about what Oracle's flagship database does but Oracle was conceived, their architecture is, you know, 40 years old, something like that. And it's evolved quite a bit, but um, there's a big difference between trying to pull along a monolithic, it's what it's called architecture for databases, and really building one that fundamentally leverages what the cloud uh, brings to the market. So what does that mean? Well, you can get the database very, very large using commodity hardware in the, in the cloud. And, uh, you know, traditional databases, they scale up and that gets really expensive and there's a limit. And this new world, you can scale out horizontally. You can also scale across data centers. So you can make a different kind of replication that allows you to lose entire data centers. And in some cases, even a cloud vendor and still have complete business continuity. It's not a disaster recovery. It's just uh, IT resilience is the right way to think of it. And then I think the most exciting thing for the future is that you can actually span the database across geographic regions. So even across continents. And this is really important because a lot of countries have uh, new and ever-expanding data sovereignty laws. And for example, if you're trying to build a game that uh, spans continents, latency becomes very important. So you want the data close to the, the end customer. So all, all of these things are uh, impacting 
businesses today. And uh, certainly the, the businesses that are building the applications and services that people can't get through a day without using. So Spencer, what is your story of fail for our audience today? Yeah, it's really about trying to do too much at once. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I think this is a very common one and maybe just the particulars of our story will be helpful for people. Uh, you know, so this is a database where we've long had traction at the high end of the market because it's sophisticated. And uh, it's also a story that has to do with the context of the times we're in. I said this is really uh, born in the cloud, uh, but this is a what's called an operational database. So it's where companies store their crown jewels, all the metadata that describes their business and their customer state. And that's actually something that, uh, you know, most companies, even today, and certainly in the eight years we've been in existence, these bigger companies, they actually want to keep that data and run those databases themselves. They weren't really comfortable with giving it to a third-party vendor. And if you take a, a look at a company like Salesforce or Workday, these are sort of the early exemplars of companies that actually took all the data and they ran it all as a vertical service. Uh, and then you had you know, companies like uh, Snowflake that really were moving the analytical data into the cloud and, and holding it for companies on their behalf. The operational data is sort of a third wave in the last to get there. And so when you think about what our challenge was, it was really how do we build for these sophisticated users uh, that want to run the database themselves, but also with an eye towards what is fundamentally the inevitable future, which is they're going to want us to run this as a cloud service. So on one hand, we're building the perfect database that they can run themselves. On the other hand, we have to actually uh, start to pave the way uh, think of it as building a bridge for these companies to make it to the cloud. And this is really where the, uh, the difficulty came in for us as an organization. Right? When you start really trying to say, okay, we're going to fundamentally run two different business models at once, uh, it's really a lot to bite off and chew. And I'll tell you really what happened here. It is sort of a, a, an instance of becoming a little too impatient. And so uh, on one hand, we have all this strength. You can call it like uh, you know, an increasing amount of product market fit. In, in running, allowing our customers to run the database itself, we call it self-hosted. On the other hand, we realize, okay, we've got to start building this new cloud platform. That's fundamentally where these things are all going. Uh, but as we were building that cloud platform, we had very few or very little interest at the high end of the market in being a design partner for that because I think a lot of people uh, in those positions, it's called the chief architects and CIOs and so forth, I'd say Fortune 500 companies, they just said, no, 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 we're not ready for that. Maybe in the future, but we're not ready for that. We've got our own concerns. So what we did is we started looking at uh, lower uh, end of the market, uh, companies that would normally use uh, AWS, RDS, or DynamoDB, or, uh, or you know, essentially that were either born in the cloud or were, were very eager to, to offload and outsource the difficulty of running the database. So now we actually had two different fundamental sort of segments of the market that we were trying to build for two products, two segments of the market, two business models. And, and, uh, and really what happened is uh, I think there was just a lot of pressure given the huge amount of uh, value that was being created in these cloud services. You just think about the multiples the market was giving those companies, uh, you know, anywhere from Snowflake to Confluent to Elastic, right? The, the multiples were, were incredible. And so it was hard to imagine why you'd ever want to be in a legacy business. So what we started to do is we said, okay, well, we have to make the cloud business work. We have to show cloud growth there. So let's do everything we can to hire sellers and, and land businesses, customers that want to use our cloud product. Some ways this was good, right? This was, these were the design partners we needed to make that cloud platform work and to design the right things. 
and also to bulletproof it. But on the other hand, uh, this actually really caused uh, not just a bifurcation, but like a shift of focus to the cloud that was a little bit premature and in some ways took our eye off the ball for our, our, our real bread and butter, these, these larger organizations. Uh, and uh, you know, dur during the sort of 2020-2021 run-up, uh, this thing became so fierce in terms of the pressure that we actually started to really shift our uh, planning in terms of how many sellers we're going to hire, uh, what were the profiles of those sellers, and how they were really fundamentally addressing, uh, for us, a new segment of the market to use this new product. Uh, and so uh, the, the the failure inherent in that was that we we kind of got way over our skis, doing too much uh, with limited constraints in terms of resources. And you actually create a little bit of whiplash in the organization. Right? You know, there's some folks in the organization that their whole, whole job is to make sure these big customers, these very valuable ones, are, are happy using the product. Then there's a whole new set of people uh, that was growing more quickly that was trying to solve the problem of, uh, you know, these, these smaller set, uh, companies, the new segments with the new product. All of this was virtuous, right? But boy, did it stress the organization. And it created some real whiplash as we started going through this. And then, of course, the, uh, the correction happened in our market. And uh, a lot of those companies that were willing to use the cloud product, uh, and by the way, crypto was a huge segment there. Like it's cockroach is very scalable and crypto had huge ambitions. And so uh, we had a lot of those companies uh, signing up with the cloud product because they were also born in the cloud. It made sense for them. But when the macroeconomic headwinds came, uh, we, we saw a lot of churn and contraction in that lower segment of the market. Because when you really looked at it, either they didn't need us because their business wasn't succeeding or uh, some of these companies were going bankrupt. But also there was a, a number of those companies that they just needed us aspirationally. Right, the sophistication of cockroach was something they wanted to plan with, uh, but it was a little bit more expensive, a little bit more complex in terms of what you have to deal with. And so when push came to shove, those were the ones that uh, in, in this more difficult environment uh, were, were, uh, we were losing as, as businesses. So that caused us uh, to reckon with that failure substantially. So Spencer, what is your lesson of fail? Like what did this experience teach you running two business models essentially at the same time? It must be pretty stressful. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. Uh, you know, there, there were different levels of stress, but, uh, uh, you know, nothing, nothing compares to the experience of starting to miss some quarters, right, in terms of what your, your plan was. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, the lesson I would say that's incredibly important here is is to really believe in the success and the refinement of the companies that need your product, right? And and that actually should form the the fundamental basis of how you think about what's called your ICP or your ideal customer profile. And just being extremely explicit about that. These are the companies. These are the customers that are the most valuable that we have to make succeed. And our success is fundamentally predicated on their success. And then holding that, even as you contemplate, here are the things we have to build for the future. And yes, we need design partners that aren't necessarily in this particular segment, but it's, it's more of never taking your eye off the ball in terms of uh, who your product's fundamentally for. And I think that uh, we ended up uh, really kind of holding multiple ideas in our heads at once. And that created uh, most of the, the I think, uh, avoidable failure. So, Spencer, what would you do differently if you could go back to yourself just before you made this decision and uh, would love for you to share that with our audience? 
It's a great question. Uh, you know, it's, it's always hindsight is, is twenty twenty. I think maybe where we suffered the most and where I'd like to, to, to solve things. And I'll just sort of give a, a few sort of mitigating caveats here. But, you know, it, it was really how we thought of ourselves and how we, we talked about it internally and how we kept our focus. As I said, we, we kind of created two different business models and uh, not everyone was on the same page about those. So it was a lack of alignment. I think it was really how we talked to ourselves and amongst ourselves internally. Um, but also, I think there was a problem externally, right? Because you, you do marketing. And the problem is if you market for too many different segments or you know potential personas at once, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you might not be saying anything to anyone. If you build a product, and by the way, this is a very general purpose database. I mean, you know, if you, if you asked any of our engineers or myself, who could this be used by? I'd say everyone, right? That's the that's the <laughs> that's the response you'd love to believe. Uh, the problem is if you if you speak that way, if, you, if that's who your if that's your message to the world, it is really not going to resonate with anyone. Right? It's like, well, is that is that doesn't that doesn't sound like my business? Uh, you know, at the high end, for example, for, you're talking to the low end, and then where you actually are talking to the high end, if the low end hears that message, then they might say, well, you know, I don't have those kinds of problems. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and then the problem is now you've, you've sort of split your marketing dollars. Uh, now, you can do this. You can do it very carefully. But actually, the, the way I think it works best in practice is you need to have multiple teams that are dedicated to those things. And, and I think this is where the fundamental rub comes because, you know, many larger businesses have tons of product lines for different segments of the market and so forth. We just weren't that big of an organization when we got there. Um, you know, I, I said there was some sort of mitigating caveats uh, that that make the failure a little less profound than I think it might have been. Um, we we built for these smaller customers, but they were critical in proving out this product and stabilizing it and, and getting the, the product market fit and allowing us to, um, you know, have uh, folks that were working with us so that we could get the right security compliances and so forth, essentially to, to lay the groundwork to make it a, a successful product at the high end of the market. And uh, we also, for example, I, I didn't even cover this, but we, we, we even entertained a third product, which we call serverless. And so we have kind of like the world's biggest companies on the self-hosted. We have the, uh, the sort of mid-tier and, and smaller companies on the uh, cloud platform. And then we even have a, a multi-tenant serverless offering, which allows you to get free databases for the individual developer. So... There was really an even bigger uh, sort of, I would, you know, it's, it's a failure, absolutely, in terms of how we, we talked about it and conceived of it. Um, but the reality is that all the cloud platform clearly where these larger companies are going. And by the way, uh, when these macroeconomic headwinds hit and there was a real labor crunch, the world's biggest companies, this was a tipping point for them, too, in many cases to say, we actually are interested in the cloud product now. So the timing kind of worked out there and we're glad we built it. Right? Uh, and also the serverless thing, which is for the individual developer, you realize that applies to the world's largest companies because they have 2,000 developers. And so you want to you create that um, internal like product-led growth strategy within the biggest organization so you enable all of their developers to move quickly. So in, in reality, we worked on all these things, and, and they were the right things, but it was the, the conception we had. So if I went backwards in time, it was keep your eye on that fundamental ball. You can expand your strategy, but you have to understand it in such a light that you don't lose your focus. So Spencer, what is your advice uh, to an entrepreneur that's looking to scale to your kind of size? Um, what is that piece of advice? 
I think that uh, focus is everything. I already made this point, but it's certainly worth reiterating. It, you know, you can imagine that whatever you're working on can apply to many different areas and you can create bits of thought leadership and all of those different areas really try to boil the ocean. I think it's much more virtuous, even though it's painful to say, what is the niche? Like almost like the, you know, we talk about a minimally viable product to get something to the market, but what's sort of the minimally viable segment or ICP? That, that really is one you can win. Like that's the critical thing. You want to be somewhere where you can fundamentally win because you have differentiation there. And it's a lot easier to get to that stage. Uh, and, and, and by the way, with much more resonant marketing, right? Because you're going to be able to talk to a very specific subset of the larger market and say exactly what it is that they're looking to hear. And, so, uh, and it's also a smaller uh, task or a thing to, to, to bite off and chew. So the, it's actually, there's a huge amount of virtue in issuing this idea that you can do things for a, a really wide audience. Like, look at the TAM on this thing. If we can win all these you know, different kinds of companies and workloads and so forth, you know, let's just focus on exactly what we can be best at and win that and then expand from there. It's really good advice. Um, there's an amazing book called Niche Down by Christopher Lockhead. Uh, he's like the godfather of category design, but you know about the power of niching and choosing a customer, saying that you for this type of customer, everybody else must go away because to your point around the TAM, it's like, oh, look, look how big it is. Look how much money we're going to make, you know? And it's the famous crucifix of a startup, right? We're going to be the next unicorn. And then they spend the next three years post-raise trying to find enough customers <laughs> to meet those projections, you know? Um, Jeffrey Moore crossing the chasm, also being on my show, the niche, you know, pick an audience that's small enough to lead, but big enough to matter, you know? And so what you've demonstrated for me, and I'm sure for my audience as well, is that you have to choose to your point. If you're everything to everyone, you become invisible. And that for me is the key takeaway for today. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Matt. Spencer, you're a legend, man. Thank you so much for being vulnerable on the show and for sharing your personal story of fail. Stick around. Everybody else will speak to you all again soon. Cheers. 